Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Praise the Lord. Okay, it looks, looks like I have to do some tutorials. Now, I'm from Africa. And, and back in Africa, when we preach, people respond. So, <laughs> so, when we say praise the Lord, people say hallelujah. Can we try it? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow, wonderful. And now I feel at home. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really am grateful to Pastor Laurie, who I've known for many years, uh, working together in leadership development, Pastor John, Pastor Dave, and the whole team here. I'm grateful to be here. Now, again, because I'm from Africa, the next thing I need to do is to set my timer. Because, you see, listen, listen, listen. Back in Africa, not everyone has a watch. But everyone has time. And then I moved to North America, and everyone has a watch, but nobody has time. <laughs> so I don't know which of the realities, but don't worry. We'll be here by, by tomorrow. We'll be out of here by tomorrow. Well, my name is Yao, as Joanna said. Thank you very much. And Yao is a day name from Ghana. It's a boy born on Thursday. So every Thursday is my birthday. No. <laughs> so you can call me Thursday. But... The name Yao sounds very Chinese, doesn't it? So people say, oh, Yao Ming, you know, are you Chinese? You know, and the, the cool thing is that by God's grace, I got to pastor a Chinese church in Montreal for four years until last year I was pastoring this church and everybody who hears is like, what? Are you Chinese? I'm like, yeah, can't you see? <laughs> but, I, but it's part of what God is doing around the world today. Mission is, for, is now from God's people everywhere going everywhere. And so I tell people, only God can call an African to pastor an English-speaking Chinese church in a French city in North America. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't tell you all about that, how that happened, etc. But I have a book on it called Thinking Outside the Window. You can check on Amazon and get a copy. And uh, I bring you greetings from my family. We just had a new baby girl last week, Friday. <laughs> so... I need to leave you guys quickly and go back home in Montreal. But that's our fifth child. We take everything in the Bible very seriously. <laughs> but, but on page 58 of this book, you'll find a picture. A picture of a car crash. I was working with the United Nations in Cote d'Ivoire when I got involved in this very terrible accident. There were three of us in the car. The other two died. And that was a huge shift in my life. And I knew God had spared me, not because, of, not because I was a doctor, not because I was a military man with my three stats as a captain, not because of money, not because of anything, but because he had a purpose beyond what I was doing. And I said, Lord, I want to spend the rest of my life preaching the gospel and raising younger leaders. So that is what I've done since then. That is how come I come to you this morning as a preacher and not as a medical doctor. But I tell people, once a doctor, always a doctor. I just work on the software, not the hardware. I'm really hoping to God that we will be able to forge a partnership, C4 Church, and the ministry that I'm with, International Student Ministries Canada, because would you believe there's almost, a, almost half a million international students in Canada, and the majority are in this golden shoe area which you're part of. But you know the sad reality? 
the numbers we have is that about, about 80% of these students can come to Canada and study here for four years and never get to enter a Canadian home. That is not right. And so I'm hoping we can partner and do something about it because you know what? One of the reasons why this, reason why this book is called Thinking Outside the Window is that since 1989, we have focused on a particular area of the world called the 1040 window. It's the area between latitude 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north. That area has China, the stronghold of atheism and Buddhism. India, the stronghold of Hinduism. It has the Middle East, the stronghold of Islam. Guess what? That is where the majority of our students are coming from. And so I was praying about the 1040 window and God said to me, but yeah, I am thinking outside the window. I put the brightest and the best out of the window and put them right here in Toronto, right here in Ajax. Tell the church, reach them. The number one sending country of students to Canada is China. Two, India. Number three, Korea, also in the window. Number four, Saudi Arabia. Church. And this speaks directly to what we are looking at this morning in Ephesians because, you see, the problem is the church is not seeing. It may be right under our noses, but we may not see. And that is the essence of the prayer we'll be praying this morning. And we'll repeat that prayer about thrice at the end of this service that God opened my eyes. Not just to international students, not just to, you know, homeless people, people being trafficked who need to be reached out to, etc. How can the church be blind and watch five women die in, in, in just this, this year alone? But the problem is not seeing. And that is the problem Paul addresses. And Paul says, pray that you see. And so I titled my message this morning, Open Your Mouth to Open Your Eyes. Open your mouth to open your eyes. In other words, pray that God will open your eyes to what? That's what we'll be looking at. But seeing is essential. There are about 300 million people in the world who have impaired vision. They either are totally blind or they have low vision. The way, where you, the way you see or whether or not you see determines the quality of your life. Not just your physical life, your spiritual life. There's a direct proportion, there's a direct correlation between what you see, how you see, and how you live. And that is why I love that contemporary song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want. Listen, unless the Lord opens your eyes, you may be sitting right in the midst of something and not see. Think about it. You remember the guy called Balaam in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 23. You know, he was riding on his donkey, going to curse the Israelites. Do you remember? And then God sent an angel to strike him dead. Did the prophet see? No. It was the donkey that saw, and he beat the donkey. And the donkey was like, and you call me an ass? <laughs> the whole prophet did not see. Think about it. From, the, from, from Genesis to that point, the greatest event in all of history was about to happen. God has sent a son, born in Bethlehem, in Judea. Wise men from the east, they saw and traveled. You know how long it took them? Two years. It took them two years to travel all the way to come to Israel, to come to Jerusalem. And they get to Herod's palace, nobody's seen anything. In fact, they talk about it and Herod asks the professors and the, and the Bible scholars to go and pick the scrolls. And they go and pick the scrolls and they start reading, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. You are not least among the cities because out of you will come a savior, blah, blah, blah. It did not even occur to them, why don't you go to Bethlehem? Oh, God has to open our eyes. 
Think about it. Jesus dies. Jesus rises from the dead. Jesus is out of the grave. There are two disciples on the road to Emmaus walking along so sad, so dejected because the guy they thought was the Messiah had come, he had died, and nobody... Jesus appears and walks with them. Do you remember that story? And he's walking with them. It's like, guys, what are you talking about? And they're like, huh? Are you a stranger or what? I'm like, don't you, don't you watch CNN? It's like, duh, CBC. It's all over the news. Are you the only stranger in town? And they began to talk to Jesus about Jesus without realizing who he was. It was not until they sat at table and the Bible says he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. The Bible says their eyes were open and they said, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. Where our hearts not burning as he spoke to us along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the essence of what we are talking about today. Because unless we pray that God opens our eyes to the amazing things he has done, he is doing and he will do. We will live substandard Christian lives because we cannot see. And so this morning as you take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 1. Open your mouth to open your eyes. This is part of the How to Pray Summer Series. And my aim this morning is to inspire us to pray strategic prayers, which will enable us to see more clearly and seize more fully. Because you can't seize what you cannot see. So my prayer is that God will inspire us to pray strategic prayers, which will enable us to see more clearly and seize more fully the abundant life that Jesus Christ broke for us, for you and me for the praise of his glorious story. So let's dive right into the text, Ephesians chapter 1. I think it's going to be on the screen. And let's read together. Shall we read as a church together? Let's go. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I I can't hear you. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, much better, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this beautiful? Friends, this text is so rich. I I want to see how much of it we can unpack. But Paul begins by saying, for this reason, right there in verse 15, for this reason. In other words, therefore... And so we have to backpedal a bit to the earlier verses and the earlier 14 verses to find out why Paul is praying such a prayer. Because you see, as a good Bible student, whenever you see therefore, you must ask 
what it is there for. Right? And so Paul says, for this reason or therefore, you need to go back and ask. Because otherwise, if we don't get the first 14 verses, if we don't understand the rationale, the spirit, the idea behind the prayer, we will not be inspired to pray. And that is why many of us don't pray that prayer. So this morning, what I want to do with that prayer, and we're going to read the first 14 verses soon, is I'm going to talk about three planes of prayer, three levels of prayer. I I like alliteration so people don't forget. Three Ps. So three planes of prayer. And then we'll talk talk about three persons in prayer, all from the text. And then we'll end with three perspectives for prayer. Three planes of prayer, three persons in prayer, three perspectives for prayer. Are you with me? Can you, can you buckle your seat belts and you're going to fly at a high altitude? I just flew in from Montreal this morning. And uh, anyway, that's another story. You guys don't have time for stories. Man. So let's start from the beginning. Three planes of prayer. Now, what sort of tale have we fallen into? Paul, in the earlier verses, is talking about things like God's pleasure and will, verse 5. The praise of his glorious grace, verse 6. Verse 9, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Verse 12 and 14, he talks about the praise of his glory. What's going on here? Because after bringing his greetings, so let's look at the context of of, of the verses we read earlier. After bringing his greetings in verses 1 and 2, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ, then he says, hashtag grace, hashtag peace. <laughs> it's almost in every letter. Then he bursts into praise. But what is he so excited about? Why is he saying, praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? What is he so excited about? What is it that he sees that we don't see? Which is asking us to pray that we see. How many of you have watched the Lord of the Rings? Okay, quite a number of you. Now, how many of you have read, have watched all three trilogy in the trilogy? Okay. So now I know that you guys have time. <laughs> now, that's one of the first excuses not to pray. I don't have time. Now I know you have time. You're just not as excited about prayer from earth to heaven as you are about what goes on in middle earth. <laughs> I have struggled to watch Lord of the Rings because I really don't have that kind of time. Actually, when I watch movies, I feel I'm wasting my life. That's a problem. You can pray for me. But J.R.R. Tolkien's enchanted vision of Middle Earth is fascinating. I started watching it. I haven't gone far. But listen to this. Randy Rees says, The characters are held together by an adventure of grand scale. Perhaps grander than, the, than even the wisest of them imagine. There are two hobbits, right? These halflings, right? half, human, half the size of human beings. Frodo, the ring bearer, and a servant companion, Sam. They are on a journey to return a powerful and evil ring to Mount Doom, where it was originally forged, right? After many dangers, toils and snares, and with more to come, sensing the darkest and most dangerous parts of the journey is just at hand Do you remember these very powerful words of Sam? Listen to what Sam says. He says, and we shouldn't be here at all. This this, this kind of summarizes Ephesians 1, 1, 1 verses 1 to 14. Listen to what Sam says. He says, and we shouldn't be here at all. If we had known more about it before we started. 
But I suppose it's often that way. The brave things in the old tales and songs, Mr. Frodo. Adventures, as I used to call them. I used to think they were things that wonderful folk of the stories went out and looked for. Because they were exciting and life was a bit dull. But that's not the way it is with the tales that really mattered. Or the ones that stay in the mind. Folk seem to have just landed in them. Usually. Their paths were laid that way as you put it. But I expect that they had lots of chances like us of turning back. Only they didn't. And if they had, we shouldn't know because it would have been forgotten. We hear about those as just went on and not all to a good end, mind you. At least not to what folk inside a story and not outside it call it a good end. You know, coming home and finding things all right, though not quite the same like Mr. Bilbo. But those aren't always the best tales to hear, though they may be the best tales to get landed in. I wonder what sort of tale we have fallen into. I wonder what sort of tale we have fallen into. And commenting on this, Randy Reese says, certainly there are relentless and subtle pressures in the modern culture that make us see our lives less than what they are. When it comes down to it, we have a difficult time imagining anything grander than life as we have come to know it. What sort of tale have we fallen into? We have grown blind to the possibility of anything larger. Eat, drink, have vacation, go to school, get married, get divorced. This is all life is about. Get a job, die, go get, get laid off. For many, Randy Reese continues, even the Christian life is increasingly misunderstood, defined individually in terms of virtue, morality, knowledge, and a few emotional experiences like this morning, right? But the sort of adventure of faith, hope, and love in Christ of which the Apostle Paul speaks is difficult to imagine for many of us, particularly in our own ordinary set of circumstances. The grander tale we fall into, ladies and gentlemen, Paul gives us a glimpse of it in the beginning of Ephesians 1, and I would like us to read it very soon. That is the tale he talks about, and then he says, for this reason, for the fact that you fall into a grand tale, for the fact that you've fallen into a story that is so amazing, it actually began before the foundations of the earth. You've fallen into this amazing story, and so I'm praying that God opens your eyes to see it. Because it's not just about walking around in Ajax. So let's read a bit about that story. So Paul begins and says, guys, the larger tale, the larger tale for which we are praying this prayer is this. That God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to read it together too? Let's do it together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual. Do you feel that way? Does it feel that way when there's, there's, there's time for to pay your mortgage and you're laid off and there's no money, right? Like blessed with every blessing. That's what Paul is, Paul is saying. Listen, this stuff you're dealing with the bank and dealing with the school. This stuff is like... Uh, there's a grand tale. There's a grand story you're falling into. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every blessing in Christ. Let's go on. For he chose us in him, wow, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ 
in accordance with his pleasure and will. Wow. To the praise of his glorious grace. Come on, speak louder. Which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring to unity all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also have fallen into this tale. Do you get it? And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Ah. And some of you don't get it. And that is why we're going to pray at the end that you get it. <laughs> now, do you, do you get the point now? This is what Paul is talking about. Even I don't fully get it. Nobody will ever fully get it until we see Jesus face to face. But we can increasingly get it from glory to glory. One degree of glory to the other. So this, all right, this is a special alarm. alarm 10.02 every day, like Luke 10 verse 2. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that you send more workers into the vineyard. So to the praise of his glory. This is a story from eternity before creation into eternity after time. And that is the grand story we're falling into. So, what are the three planes of prayer I'm talking about? Well, John Hall, which Pastor Laurie and I worked with for a while, has a book called Pivotal Prayer. And in it, he says that effective leaders don't pray the way most people do. The fact, listen to this, this is amusing. The fact is, most North Americans pray, but most pray selfishly. Now, in 1993, a survey was conducted among 2,000 church attendees asking questions about their prayer habits. Now, if their answers are any reflection of the general population, we have a lot of room to grow. Do you know the top three subjects of those who were surveyed? The top three things people pray about. Can you guess? The first was meals. Personal and family safety. And personal blessings. Now, for many, in other words, their prayers didn't go beyond praying over their Cheerios at breakfast. And the average person in North America spends an average of seven minutes praying a day. Now, so John Hall describes three kinds of prayer, what I'm calling three planes of prayer, because these three prayers are not on the same plane. They are not on the same level. And as a former military person, I really appreciate the language here, because John talks about, number one, logistical prayer, Number two, tactical prayer. And number three, strategic prayer. Now, let me explain. So, logistical prayer, which is what most people pray, focuses on my own personal needs. It is prayed from a temporal plane. So, the example John gives us, let's say for the worship team this morning, say, Lord, help us to do well this morning as a worship team. Help us to get through our program on time, especially with an African preacher. Help the microphones to work. And help us to be calm in Jesus' name, amen. It's a prayer, it's a good prayer, but it's a logistical prayer. Next level is what he calls tactical prayer. Now this prayer focuses on others, but it's still prayed from a temporal plane. 
And so the same worship team could pray a prayer like, Lord, please bless us, all who participate in the service this morning, and bless the people who attend. May it be inspiring to everyone. It's a better prayer, but it still not, does not fully capture God's heart and purposes for the world. The third level of prayer is the kind we read in Ephesians 1. Strategic prayer, which focuses on God's ultimate objectives for the world. It is prayed from an eternal plane. It is prayed from a place where you are thinking and talking about God's purposes and its plans and the grand tale. And so for the same worship team, they would pray a prayer like, Oh Lord, raise disciples from this service today. Regardless of what happens to the microphones, the musicians or anyone else, regardless of how long the preacher from Africa talks, use this service to glorify your name yourself and bring your kingdom more fully to this earth. The degree to which your prayers are linked to the grand tale, the terrific tale, the grand story of God is the degree to which your prayers are strategic. And so the first thing, I know you did the Lord's Prayer, you prayed the Lord's Prayer last week, that the, the first thing Jesus says you should pray, our Father who is in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, before you talk about give us this day our daily bread, which is so logistical. Church, I tell you, if more people in this place will pray strategic prayers, we'll see God do amazing things and the tactical and the logistical will follow. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things. And so we go for the, all these other things and we miss the kingdom. We miss the grand tale. So those are the three planes of prayer. And I hope that we will capture God's heart. And so Paul, the prayer we are about to explore, which we'll be praying at the end of the service, is a prayer he prayed every day. He said, I have not stopped. He said, I keep asking. And this was a strategic prayer. So for this reason, this grander tale we've fallen into, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped thanking God for you, remembering you in my prayers. And Paul is an expert when it comes to powerful prayer with thanksgiving. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, pray with thanksgiving. In Colossians 4, verse 2, he says, pray with thanksgiving. Why? It's a very powerful prayer principle. I always need to teach my children. I have five children, I told you. And whenever they start praying, they say, dear God, give us. Like, no, hold on. Always thank God first. Let me tell you, the portals to powerful prayer is thanksgiving. Enter his gate with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. You want to be powerful in strategic prayer. Please pray with. Paul says, I've been praying with thanksgiving for you guys. Then we come to the thrust of his prayer. He says that he prays that the Ephesians will know two things. Number one, they will know him. Verse 17. And from 18 to 23, they will know his. They will know him through the spirit. And they will know his through their sight. So let us quickly look at those two and then, and then pray. We have what? 12 Canadian minutes to go. So let's look at, <laughs> he prays that they may know him. Who is the him? That brings us to the three persons in prayer. So Paul says, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul's prayer is that God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit. You see the trinity right there. 
that, the, the, that we will know him better. Listen, all three persons of the Trinity are essential to prayer. We pray to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Spirit. But God is teaching us here this morning in this text that it, is, it actually takes prayer to know him better. Now, many of us are shopping for more books and getting coaching and all of that. And, and, and many of us are not doing this simple thing, which is, God, teach me. Teach me you. <laughs> and that's what Paul is talking about. You want to know God better? Ask him. Open your mouth to open your eyes. How many of us are praying that God will give us his spirit of wisdom and revelation? That is the spirit Jesus talked about in John 14. And you see, because God's spirit, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. Three yet one. And so you remember in John 14, Thomas said to Jesus, Ah, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he said to, he said to him, said, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And so as Paul is praying that we will get to know the Father, invariably we get to know the Son, invariably we get to know the Spirit. From now on, he said, you have seen him, you do know him and I've seen him. And then Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? Believe, in, believe when I say that I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. And then a few verses later, God, the Lord Jesus talks about the spirit of truth, which he's going to send for the disciples. He said, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. He lives with you? Yeah, that's me, Jesus. But it's going to be in you. You see, and that is why Jesus said, listen, in John 16, two chapters later, he says, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Why? Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Do you know, Jesus literally said, it's better for, for me to go away, for you to have the Holy Spirit, than for me to stick around. And many of you are like, nah, I want the real deal. Nah. Listen, a friend explained it this way. You are an average hockey player, but you have Wayne, Res uh, what's his name? Wayne Gretzky to be your, on your side as your coach. How good will you play? Probably very good. But what if instead of him being your coach at your side, he's inside you, playing through you. The spirit of Wayne Gretzky in you or Wayne Gretzky beside you. Choose. Jesus said it's much better that my spirit is in you and my spirit in you will open your eyes. It's a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you know me better. And I want to tell you, church, as he opens your eyes to see him, no wonder the hymn writer says, and when we see thee as thou art, we will praise you as we ought. We will pray as we ought. We will love as we ought. You cannot see God and not say, holy! At the center of the earth, at the center of the universe, is this amazing relationship. God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Father worshiping the Son, the Son, the Spirit, loving each other in eternal communion. It's a beautiful relationship. Paul says, I pray that your eyes may be open, that you see him. Let me end with these three perspectives and then we pray that prayer because Paul says, I pray these three things, that the eyes of your heart will be open so that you may know these three things. You may know the hope, you may know your inheritance, you may know your po the power. Now, I like to call it hip so I don't forget because this is really hip. You may know the hope to which God has called you. 
You may know his glorious inheritance and you may know his power. Guys, because of the work I do with internationals, this comes in a very powerful way to me because cultures around the world can be classified into these same three. Like in North America, generally Westerners are very individualistic. And so we tend to look at the whole issue of sin and salvation and all of that, the grand tale of God, through individualistic eyes. And so we think a lot because of the, the enlightenment and all of that, we are very legal in our thinking. We are individualistic and legal. And so we think, tend to see the gospel in terms of guilt and innocence. But most cultures in the world, especially Asia, some parts of Africa, etc., tend to look at sin and salvation with the lenses of honor and shame. So when you sin against God, you've shamed God, right? So they, they talk, they are very collectivists, and they talk, so they use regal language, we use legal language. And then a lot of tribal groups in Africa, you know, the native Indians and places in the Caribbean, etc., are very power-oriented. They think, of, they think of, of the gospel in terms of fear and power. Now, all of us are a mixture of them. But there are some of you here who are always feeling guilty about something you did five years ago, ten years ago. Paul says, I pray that God opens your eyes to see that you are no longer guilty. You have hope. And some of us are filled with shame. Always ashamed about something. Not just Asians. Some of us always, Paul says, I pray that God lets you realize that you've been honored. You've been honored. You are now, you are now having inheritance. You're now a son. In fact, that's part that says adoption to sonship. It's actually a legal term referring to the legal, full legal standing as an adopted male heir in the Roman culture. And those of you who are always fearing demons and fearing the power of Satan and what's going to happen to me, Paul says, I pray, I pray that God will open your eyes to see the power that you have. And Paul says, don't forget, he says you've been seated with Christ far above. Far above, not just a little above, you know, far above. And Paul says that's power. is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Whoa! That same power you have. Ladies and gentlemen, no more. No more are we going to live on this miserable plane of just thinking about what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. There's a grand tale at play here. There's a grand story being told here. Ah, what sort of story have we fallen into? What sort of tale have we fallen into? The grand story of God's perfect shalom and the praise of his glory before Genesis till after Revelation when that God's perfect shalom is restored for the glory of his name. This splendid story is so much bigger. So much bigger than you. That it calls for God's supernatural spirit and God's supernatural intervention that is why we pray these strategic prayers for divine intervention so that he will enable us to know him, Father, Son, and Spirit and see more clearly the hope, the inheritance, the power that he has for us. And then when we see it, we may seize it and fully engage in this amazing story of God's glory. Let's be on our feet. 
church. And let's pray this prayer. That God will open our eyes. I'd like you to first, we pray, pray the prayer. I'll read the prayer. Pray it after me. First, you pray for yourself. Then secondly, we'll pray it again for our family. We'll repeat the same prayer. The God will open the eyes of the members of our family. And then we'll pray for our church if we're able to make the time. But at least we'll pray for ourselves and our family. So please say this after me. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You who have blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for the sake of the praise of your glory. For this reason, we won't stop giving you thanks. We keep asking you the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that you may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that I may know the hope to which you have called me the riches of your glorious inheritance and your incomparably great power. And now I pray for my family. And I pray for the C4 church family. And keep asking you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be open, may be enlightened, in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us. The riches of your glorious inheritance in us and your incomparably great power for us. Forgive us, Lord, for living less than you made us. For making such a sorry state of a glorious story. No more, Lord. We will pray this prayer every day. Until we see what you want us to see. Until we know you the way you want to be known. And that the world around us will see. And taste of this glorious tale of this grand story of the praise of the glory of God. Oh, may it be so. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.